morning, Eugene. Hey, good morning. Uh, so what do you want to talk about today? So uh, Apple just had their, uh, I guess, spring event. And it, mm-hmm. uh, it made me think about like Steve Jobs and Tim Cook and sort of the, the leadership of the company and the products they're making. And I always saw Steve Jobs as like a product person that was like a good presenter, but he he didn't seem particularly technical or in the weeds of things. And I thought it was interesting where there were stories where he like didn't like a certain thing or a certain detail and he would spend forever just working out this one little detail. And it was sort of wasteful, but it made the company uh, sort of his. And now with Tim Cook, who was, I think, their operations person, and he has a lot of experience with like running the company and making sure all the numbers work and just sort of maximizing revenue and being really good with the board. And I, it, it like made me think, because I'm not an ideas person, I feel way closer to the operations side of uh, you know, anything. And does that mean that like I can't be a CEO? And then looking at Tim Cook, it sort of shows that, yeah, operations people can be a CEO and maybe they're even in some aspects better because they're friendly with the board and they can like keep the company on track and you can sort of delegate the the ideas part as long as you can manage those relationships. Um, that's a, an interesting thought because um, I actually, yesterday I was a part of this clubhouse group and um, there were three women there who were talking about like each of them has a um, little tech idea or whatever. And um, uh, one of them, you know, actually all three of them were, you know, thinking about having investors. And we talked about ideas. You know, one of them was like, well, I have this, you know, my idea is awesome, you know, and stuff like that. And I don't understand, like all these other companies get funded and mine doesn't, you know, and stuff like that. And and I and I quoted um, and this is some this is something that I talk about in my book. Um, there is you know I t- have a chapter on investors, and the reason I brought this up is because um, it talks about ideas. So the, I quote a book in my um, in my book by Brian Cohen, and he years ago when the book was written, I don't know if he's there anymore, if he's there, like if he's still like doing what he's doing. He's whatever, but that's not the point. The point is that the, he was one of the top people at New York Angels. Um, it's a, one of the top three angel investment um, groups in the U.S. Um, and in his book, he says something like, I would rather invest in a company that has a so-so idea and a top-notch team than a top-notch idea and a so-so team. Yeah, I think that makes sense because that's, I mean, sort of sticking on Apple's um, bit. Um, like Apple doesn't make very many innovations. They're a very like, conservative, sort of slow company, but they take existing ideas and sort of make them much better, according mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, there were tons of phones before the iPhone, but 
they gave it their like unique spin or like there were tons of computers before the Mac and they gave it like a unique spin. So like, I don't think that the Steve jobs era was bad. I think it was more stressful and sort of volatile, but with Tim cook, it's sort of boring. He like, he like, like whenever he talks, he talks the same way that he would be like interviewing or being interviewed by Congress. It's, it's very, very measured, very like lawyery, and there's not a lot of personality, I think. But it, it it's it's like a weird thought that yeah, I think that's also how you run a company. It doesn't make sense for like the CEO whose job is basically to like relationship manage and make sure all the departments are working. And like, why does that person also need to come up with new ideas? But I think it does depend on like the scale of the company. Apple used to be much smaller, so they needed products to stick out and sell. And like you, you need, you know, a good salesperson as opposed to an operations person running everything. So, like when I think of myself and starting a business or doing a project, I feel very like limited because I don't know what to start. I don't really know like how how the thing that I'm doing will be different or better than like what's around me. So like I, I feel lacking in this product um, like department where if you already give me a project and you're like, all right, you got to make this run guy. Like <laughs> it's really important. The numbers need to match. We have to deliver on time. I feel like I can set up the structure for like the project management and the relationship management and sort of delegate the creation and the, coming up with ideas to someone that really wants to do that. And I haven't met a lot of people that like want to project manage. I think a lot of people are very into building or thinking up ideas or talking to people or selling it, but I haven't met a lot of project managers that like that job and they, they that like don't want to become CEO as opposed to like a chief operations officer. You know, I think it's only due to ego. A lot of, a lot of it is, I think, um, meaning that, you know, and it's the same thing, I think with any profession really, um, with accounting, with probably law, probably other, many other professions. I, I just think that, um, people often want to be the CEO, let's say, because it's, um, pre- prestigious, right? It's, um, it's prestigious, but like, what does the CEO do? Does the CEO run the company or does the CEO create ideas? And I think that you can sort of decide what you want to do. It's your company, right? And like, maybe it depends on the person and you can be either, but it, like I'm not I'm not sure like coming from like Apple of course I sort of want the head of the company to come up with all the cool ideas and sort of sell it to me but on the other hand like let someone else do it and like like, <laughs> like run a good company make sure everything comes in on time and like works so um Apple used to be I think first of all the dynamic of the company has changed um, a lot um they used to be um, a company for creatives, right? Then they put out an iPhone, an iPod, um, and now all of a sudden they've started being 
this, you know, cool um, tech company. Then they put out an iPhone and um, it was revolutionary, right? Um, and I and, and kind of since then, this was like early 2000s, right? Since then, the dynamic of the company has shifted so much, I think, in, in my opinion, um, not only due to Steve Jobs um, and, you know, kind of passing away and, and leaving and Tim Cook taking over, um, and you're right. You know, Steve Jobs was a was a visionary. Tim Cook is more of a of an um, of an executor, right? Um, yeah. To me, the, right now, Apple and like you said, they're a little slow um, in the sense that they're um, like, for example, you know, there were tablets, but way before iPads, right? But Apple came up with with an iPad and. People are about preferring iPads to um, to other tablets. Um, I know I do. Um. Yeah, same thing with the phones. Like the, the if you want features, if you want a lot of customizability and like all the cool new stuff that like Apple doesn't Apple doesn't offer that. Apple offers what they think people like need, and they they're very opinionated in a lot of ways where they sort of mandate you use their thing in the way that they want. It's not all like open. There's very little customization that you can do. And now they're opening it up more and more, but the, the core is always, well, if you don't like it, you can go do something else. There's no one like keeping you an apple other than, you know, the ecosystem that they tied you in and you can never leave. But like Android has way more features and beta stuff and, Apple sort of takes what they see in the world and make it their own. And make it better sometimes. They make it better for certain people. So like they're very opinionated. They're like, okay, we see this feature. It's going to work like this. You can't change it. And for a lot of people, it really it really works. And for a lot of people, it rubs them wrong, the wrong way. And they're like, why are they charging us all this money? But it's like a little off topic, but like it, it, it's an interesting dynamic with the company that's so, so, so opinionated. But now with Tim Cook, I feel like it's opening up because he doesn't really, I'm going to say care. He, he just wants it to run. He wants it to sell. He's really focused on like customer satisfaction and like the numbers and are we selling it? Are we meeting the, like the projections that we made? And I don't think either one is bad. I think you sort of like need, let's say, an adult in the room to actually run the company and not throw a fit when like some bezel is like an angle or two off. Yeah. And, and, and like, okay. It, but it was nice. It was nice having this like head of the company with Steve Jobs that, that had all these opinions and he, like, you could tell that he really believed in this product and that's why he was able to sell it so well because it was his. He, it, it was, like there was like a feeling behind it where even if it wasn't for you, 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 you were still impressed with how much he believes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they had some flops that he was super into and no one else cared about, but. And, and well, um, I think I, my opinion is that um, the company should be run by an operations guy. Um. And, you know, there was this book called, um, and it's very, it's a very successful book. It made a lot of impact um, in the business and, and things. It's called Traction by Gina Wickman. I know Gina personally, and 
Um, this book has basically in this book, he created a system. It's called the EOS entrepreneurial operating system. And um, he talks about the split um, sort of, you know, at the top of the company sort of, or there are, there's, there are two people, not one. One is the visionary and one is the operations executor, basically. And that's the only way you can have um, effective and efficient um, uh, operations uh, is because, because with, with only a visionary on top, you can have a situation where um, there's a lot of waste. Like you talked about Steve Jobs, you know, he, he was very passionate about the product and he would spend resource, unlimited resources to make it perfect, right? But that shouldn't be that way. But at the same time, why not? Like if it's his company and he wants to run it a certain way and, and it, it gets weird with boards and, you know, being public. But uh, I, like I always thought it was nice where the, the, like the founder CEO of the company could just do what he wants. And I felt sort of bad for him where the board like kicked him out and didn't like his direction. And like, yeah, every, every idea isn't going to be good, but you need, I, I'm like I'm sort of siding with him because he started a company and he organized it and I think that's also fine. So maybe you need like founders to be idea people, but like after a certain point, the company gets too big and you need like an operations person to run it. So maybe <laughs> maybe that's the answer. It has to transition at some point. Well, the problem with that is people who are as passionate as Steve Jobs was um, usually can get carried away. And, you know, he was lucky that the company was public and that there was a board of directors who is a collective of people um, who could, you know, discuss things and think about things and make decisions. So it wasn't just this one person making decisions and they kicked him out, right? Um, But I think that too much... Visionaries, and I've seen it happen also in businesses that I've worked for with, um, you know, over the past 15, 16 years, um, I've seen people get carried away by their idea, by this shiny object um, of future success, of future huge success, potential success, um, and lose everything. So I think that there has to be um, operations people focus more on actually making it work. And so I think in my opinion, like you said, um, you know, Tim Cook's leadership is different, but I think it's, in my opinion, it's a little bit more calculated, a little bit more balanced, a little bit more strategic. Yeah. And like, I don't mind Apple stuff, but when I think of companies that I like, I almost prefer them to be like not. I mean, startups a weird word, but I prefer them to be younger and not public and sort of like support local business and where the the person on top is the ideas person doing everything. And once things get too big and you have to like put in an operations person, I I would almost rather the company fail and for that founder to start something else, which Steve Jobs did. And he had lots of side projects. And I, and I like these side projects that people do. I think that they should be allowed to do whatever it is they want. And then if the company gets big, sure, like sell it out or 
you know, move on to a different project. It, but I guess I have this like grass is greener feeling where I, I relate so much to Tim Cook, where that's exactly how I would run a company. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of boring. And I like envy boring. idea people. Well, you can always hire idea people. Here's the thing. Ideas are, especially in the past 10, 15 years, ideas are of an, there's an abundance of them. Like everyone has an idea, the next Facebook, you know what I mean? Like people are so carried away with this shiny object of, oh, I want to be the next Facebook or something similar. Um, That ideas are, are, there's no lack of ideas. Like there's no shortage of ideas. Um, so you can always hire people with ideas and people who work, who are visionaries, who work for Apple. Um, m- many of them, you know, love doing that and, and are honored to be a part of that team that comes up with new things. Right. That's why they, they, you know, they've been, they do come up with new things, revolutionary things every now and then. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's bad, like either way. But I thought it was like, I, I am getting like a very much grass is greener feeling where I want to do the thing that I don't really know how to do or that doesn't like come naturally to me. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on a point of, um, um, really the growing and going public. I personally think that going public is a cash out mechanism for folks. That's what it is, right? Yeah, it It is. It always was like you, you raise a bunch of money and then the CEO leaves within a couple of years and then he gets replaced by Tim Cook. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, pretty normal. (laughs) Right. so, So that's what I'm saying. Like it's, um, I think that it again, comes back to ego um, because I've seen companies and, and Apple is not one of them, meaning that, you know, Apple has been public for forever or whatever, uh, for a long time. And, um, so there, it's not new to them. Um, for example, you know, Steve jobs was passionate about the business, regardless of the fact that he was kicked out, regardless of the fact that he, um, that the company was public and big and stuff like that it wasn't as big, but still it was pretty big. Um, but I think that, like, for him, it wouldn't have made a difference. But for many companies, um, you know, IPO is um, just an ego-driven decision. And I personally don't think that it's um, often right. Maybe in a very few cases it is. But um, it creates a lot of pressure. It creates a lot of costs. You have to get audited every quarter. Um, you have to get, a you know, a bigger audit every year. Um, it all costs millions of dollars often. and um, it creates pressure to show earnings and things like that. Whereas if you're really passionate about this business, if you really love what you do, why go public? And so for example, you know, there are, there are great examples of companies have that have made a mistake of going public and Cablevision is one of them. It was for, for decades owned by, you know, family, right? And then it was, they went for IPO and then they tried buying it back um, a couple of years later. I don't know if it was a couple of years or a decade later, but they tried um, buying it back and the shareholders didn't allow them to, and they ended up selling it to somebody else. So 
they've really built a legacy, for example, Cablevision specifically, you know, they've had employees working there for 40, 50 years. Um, people who, you know, the, this company for years have has been taking care of the, fam- of the employees more than anything else. They've had really good customer service and also really took care of the employees. They put employees first. Um, and that obviously changed when when there was there were acquired, but you know initially, like my question would be, why did you even go for IPO? Why did you even go public in the first place? Who that made that pro- decision? Well, yeah, it's probably to raise money. Like if you if you want more money than like VC funding can give you, or like that a bank or a lender can give you, sometimes you just need like a lot, a lot of money. And I think IPO is you know a pretty good way to do it. So I don't know if they did that um, for the money. I think it was more, I mean, I don't know the history, so I can't, I'm just speculating at this point. But um, even when they finally sold it, right, sold it to Altice, which is a French company, um, they didn't sell it for 100% cash, meaning Altice bought it leveraged, so they financed a huge chunk of the of the money to to buy that. So I don't know what the deal is, but I'm just um just saying like you can run a good business. You can just sell it to a private party. You know Warren Buffett owns Geico 100%, right? I mean not him personally, but the um Berkshire Hathaway. Um and they own quite a few companies 100%. They would buy out the companies, you know, that were previously publicly traded because they don't want um, to have a publicly traded company creates unnecessary expenses and unnecessary pressure um, to show earnings as opposed to really operating a solid business and doing a good thing and making solid money um, from that. Yeah. I wonder if if that's like the distinction where if you're trying to go public, if you're trying to like do this like big money, big infrastructure, lots of audits, like you need to show growth every year if that's like better for an operations kind of person to lead and to be sort of like the calm face of the company where if you don't need to impress the board or shareholders or stockholders or anything, maybe a product visionary is just fine and they can, they can just run their own company. So you can do both. I, I guess my opinion and uh, and my opinion is based on the fact that I've, you know, I've been an accountant. I am more of an operations, just like you kind of, um, I focus on getting the results and reaching goals and things like that, uh, for clients and for myself. Um, um, and I think, I feel that that's the only right way to run a business. The, the, yes, you need ideas you need. And that's why, you know, um, Gina Wickman talks about, two people kind of being at the top. One is the visionary and then the second one is the executioner. Um, Executor, I guess, someone who executes um, on the ideas, but someone who also creates limits um, and prevents waste and stuff like that. So I think you have to be both um, if if it's just you or you have to have um, a system in place where if you are a visionary, someone who's going to be holding you back from spending, you know, everything and going bankrupt, that kind of same thing. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So um, great conversation. Yeah. See you next week.
ser 